0: Enterprise architecture in practice. Enterprise architecture is a profession in which one of the most important things that we uh, need is discretion, tact, and judgment. Of course, there are templates. We try to make our work efficient by using techniques such as templates and design patterns, and other means by which we can do our repetitive activities in a more efficient way. But but discretion, tact, and judgment. And one of the classic examples that I'm going to talk about is is microservices and monolithic architecture. Now, microservices has been making a lot of noise for the last couple of years now. And, well, it started with service-oriented architecture, and then we broke it down further to microservices uh, and and that's been making a lot of noise and somehow I have seen people believe that microservices is the silver bullet it's the uh, one solution that can solve all your problems that every single situation should be handled using microservices but lately what has also been happening is that lots of bubbles have been bursting so Uh, We've seen microservices fail a couple of times. One of the classic examples that we see is Amazon Prime going from microservices back into monolithic architecture, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. Amazon Prime had a, a very simple architecture. It has a media converter that takes all the video and converts it into consumable content, and then it takes all its audio and converts it into buffers. It has an algorithm that's there for error detection. And the third component is it has an orchestration layer that essentially orchestrates between all the three components, all the the other two components. Now, initially what had happened was Amazon Prime had decided, and there is a beautiful blog about it, why Amazon engineers thought that microservices is the best way to go. And they did design their entire infrastructure uh, using microservices. Each component was, A microservice and the orchestration layer was orchestrating between all these uh, components but this entire architecture was not designed to scale it was not designed to respond to large number of requests and slowly what happened is they started seeing performance issues they also started hitting the ceiling of their infrastructure later on what they decided is they uh, will go monolithic so they took all these three components and they you know created a monolithic architecture they fell back onto the monolithic architecture and then and, and ended up saving 90% of the costs, uh, that was infrastructure costs. Now, how did this happen? And where did microservices go wrong? So let's talk about microservices and the challenges that are there in microservices. One of the biggest challenges of microservices that all the microservices are ultimately using uh, the same core infrastructure right the core foundation infrastructure it is the same for all the services uh, which essentially means that if one microservices is more demanding than the others then there's no way to really know how we are going to manage the resources let me give you a simpler example to help you understand let's say there is a fish tank a large fish tank and on the large fish tank we've got all kinds of fish we've got big fish like i don't know a whale for example we've got we've got medium sized fish like sharks and we've got smaller fish as well. Now they all live in a single large tank. Think of all these fish as microservices. Now the water and the food and the space is being utilized by all the fish within the tank. Now if you pour a lot of food into the tank then everybody gets to eat but there's also a lot of waste, right? We really can't Calibrate how much food we should be putting into the tank because the big fish require large amount of foods and the small fish require small amounts of food and and if we Basically throw in a lot of food, then everybody will get their food, but there'll be some waste To try to save waste if we pour less food into it Then the big fish will eat up all the food and the small fish will not be able to get any food So there's a challenge there. Of course we can Calibrated to a point where the big fish eat their food and then the small fish get to eat their food, but all the, you know, and so on and so forth, but it's a, it's a bit of a challenge. So what do we do about this? How can we fix this issue? So this um, interesting concept called the resource pool architecture, also known as pool architecture. And it matches with the metaphor so much. And I've, uh, this is not an original concept. I've taken this up from an article and I'll post the link to the article uh, on my show notes. What a resource pool architecture does is you don't have one single pool for for all the fish, right? You've got one large pool for the whale, so that you can give it as much food as it wants and not more and not less. So you can manage waste there, and then you've got another pool for a uh, smaller sized fish like a shark, and you can give it food and you know we can calibrate it there as well, and then we've got another small foil pool in which all the small fish live. So you don't have one single pool for every fish because that is, again, a lot of waste of resources. But you've got one pool for the big fish, probably as another pool for the medium-sized fish, and then you've got another pool for all the small fish, and then you can calibrate the food accordingly, right? And you can also control what kind of food you can give to the fish, right? Now think of it in terms of Services, you know, you've got a large microservices or microservices like Amazon Prime and and Netflix and so on that that have heavy usage and that consume large resources. So you've got one pool for that, and then you've got another pool where you have probably smaller fish, smaller services, microservices that do not consume as many resources as Amazon Prime and microservice uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix, but They are resource hungry, probably a government website of some sort, right? And then you've got smaller, you know, startups and small companies that host their websites or applications or what have you, and you've got a resourceful there. Now, this is a very broad example that I'm giving you. You could utilize it within your organization, for example. You could have specific AWS accounts, for example, for specific kinds of uh, applications that can be hosted there. You could have one shared account where all generic applications can be hosted and then you could have one dedicated account uh, that could host resource hungry applications for example or you could host applications that are large in, in size generally right or you could host specific applications that are probably managing confidential information or what have you and so on and so forth so this is called resource pool architecture um, so while there is microservices, and microservices are a good thing, there is no doubt about it. And there are unique situations where microservices help quite a bit. And I'm a big fan of microservices simply because, you know, I believe in the multi-cloud hybrid environment where you are not going with just one cloud, but you're going with you know, more than one cloud, the AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, et Primarily because when you go with one cloud, one of the disadvantages that you have is a vendor lock-in. The advantage that you have is you can strike up a deal with them, so that since you're hosting all your workloads on a single cloud, you get a good deal with that with the cloud provider. But the downside is when you once you have that deal, you know you can't get any more deals because you're logged in to that particular vendor. All your workloads on that are on that, and then and then there are dependencies and there are availability situations where you know it's very rare, but. Let's say that AWS goes down in a certain region. What are you going to do about that? You know, you're logged into AWS. It rarely happens, but you never know. A multi-cloud environment provides you with that flexibility. You know, you can uh, move your workloads from one place to the other. Now, that is a very interesting situation or or a very interesting use case because I have been doing some research around multi-cloud environments and I haven't really seen any frameworks or any, any good Implementations, solutions, etc., where you have a truly hybrid multi-cloud environment. At the most, what you do is you might take your SaaS workloads, for example, on one of the clouds, and your infrastructure as a service workloads on another cloud. Or probably you can you will take your um, your production environments on one cloud and your development environments on the other cloud. But they, these are not really hybrid solutions. Hybrid solutions would be. Uh, when you use microservices and when you when you have a truly hybrid cloud, like some of the services are hosted on AWS, some of them are hosted on uh, Azure, and together they are providing a solution. Or probably, you know, you have microservices on one cloud for a few applications. And then uh, the biggest advantage that microservices provide through containerization and container orchestration is you can quickly and easily move your workloads from one cloud to the other. So you don't have that dependency on a single, Cloud, but I'm yet to see a an organization that is 100% microservices based or service oriented based, where the portability of the applications from one one public cloud into the other is a snap of the fingers. So, like I said, enterprise architecture is not is not simple. It's not easy. It's uh, it's an intellectual activity. There's a lot of discretion tact and judgment that you have to apply when you design your solutions. You can't just go with a solution that will apply microservices everywhere. There are places where monolithic architectures can actually help you save a lot of money or improve your performance and what have you. Sure, monolithic architectures have their disadvantages. They're brittle and they're clunky and difficult to maintain. But in unique situations, like for example, the Amazon Prime situation, the monolithic architecture could also help. That's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoy the show more about organizational agility innovation and enterprise architecture in the practical world in the business right here on the show but before i end the show i want you to help me out with this one little thing pause the show and share this podcast via whatsapp or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show it could be anyone your colleague your boss someone in your team that's all i ask just one share with one message via text or WhatsApp or any social media of your choice. And it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base. Also, please don't forget to follow the podcast. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, we also have a telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on telegram. Or the URL to join the group is https colon slash t.me slash Enterprise Architecture Radio. While our contact details are there in the show notes we are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, linkedin facebook instagram youtube even discord once again i hope you had fun and i'll see you in the next one